funny enough, I actually did really well in the class and I really loved it. And so that's how I found my passion. I just kind of stumbled, <laughs> stumbled into it. So I had to figure out like, how do I do this? And someone told me that DevRel was uh, a role. I'm really careful as an uh, advocate myself to make sure that I stay on the cutting edge of technology right. and that I keep my, my uh, engineering skills sharp. So I've always been an explorer. And as I uh, as new texts come out, I would like look at them and see, can they be used to solve like different problems or can yeah. they be combined with other uh, technology to do something totally different? <laughs> Today with Angie Jones, she is Global VP of DevRel at TBD. Welcome, Thank Angie. You. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Mark? Good, good, good. I'm good. Um, thanks for taking uh, time to come and uh, interview with us. Uh, first of all, you, you work at TBD. What can you tell us? What is TBD and what yeah. what you do there? Sure. So TBD is the newest business unit of Block. And we are focused on building decentralized technologies. Mm -hmm. So that's tooling for developers as well as protocols and things of that nature. And I am the head of developer relations and programs. And so I uh, lead the developer relations, community management, as well as our open source initiatives. With how, with how many uh, DevRels do you work? It says you're, you're global, so... Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, we're, we're, we're really... <laughs> it sounds bigger than it is, Mark. <laughs> we're uh, really scrappy. Uh, the business unit itself is less than two years old. Okay. And so, um, we have about three uh, developer advocates right mm -hmm. now. Uh, and then a couple of other folks on uh, the open source programs, teams, and uh, community management. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, can you tell us about a little bit about uh, how you got in tech? What's your first experience in tech and a little mm. bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. So I grew up not knowing much about tech at mm -hmm. all. Um, and I went to college like really unsure of what I wanted to, to do with mm -hmm. my life. Um, I didn't know anyone who like was into computers or anything mm -hmm. like that. My father was an accountant at the time, and he realized that tech was becoming this emerging mm -hmm. space. And so he suggested that mm -hmm. I take a computer class so okay. that I knew, you know, yeah. how to use what one. It is, how yeah, it you know, I could yeah. check my email or something, yeah. you know. And me, I, I knew so little about computers mm -hmm. that I didn't even know what class to choose. Oh, yeah. And I chose a C++ programming as my <laughs> intro oh. to the world of computers. <laughs> but uh, funny enough, I actually did really well in the class and I really loved it. And so that's how I found my passion. I just kind of stumbled, <laughs> stumbled into it like really naively. And uh, I ended up choosing that as my major, computer science. What did you love about it? You said you did very well in the class. I suppose you really liked it. What did you like about like yeah. C++ or probably programming in, <laughs> in general? In general yeah. yeah, I it felt like a puzzle. So I grew up playing games a lot in my mm -hmm. family. And so I really love like those sort of challenges that make you think and you put pieces together mm -hmm. to like come up with this final solution, right? I yeah. really like that sort of thing. Um, and this is what programming felt like to me. So it was like given a problem figure out how to come up with a solution yeah. giving these 
programming constructs, if you will. Yeah. And so um, I remember just like racing out of class whenever we would get an assignment for homework. I couldn't wait to go to the computer lab. We didn't have a computer at home yeah. still. I would go to the computer lab, work on my assignment, have it done like that. I really, really enjoyed it. And I still do to this day. So are you like me, the kind of person that enjoys more solving the problem in your head than actually coding it out? No, I no, love coding. Love oh coding. my God, <laughs> I love coding. <laughs> awesome. So then, uh, how did you get into DevRel mm. then? Yeah, good question. So um, I actually needed to hire some engineers. We had like, mm -hmm. uh, back then I was working on automation and we had five recs that we needed to hire mm -hmm. for. And as we were interviewing, my team was pretty big. And as we were interviewing folks, we couldn't really find anybody that was on the level that the team was on. Like, not a lot of people do automation as a specialty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I thought then, like, I should probably start writing about how we do things yeah. to kind of, I don't know, give back to the community and share yeah. our techniques. Because we had a really strong team that basically mm -hmm. iron sharpened iron, you know, and we learned from each other. Mm -hmm. But all of that was siloed into our company. Oh, yeah, and I so I started like blogging about it and then um, going to conferences and speaking mm -hmm. about it. And then I just really enjoyed the teaching aspect, mm -hmm. teaching other engineers how to do something. And it just kind of came naturally. I was doing this so much. I was away from my <laughs> full-time engineering job. I remember I was an engineer at Twitter at the time. And um, I was on the road probably about 80% of the time going to conferences, oh, okay. workshops, and stuff like that. And then I thought, like, I need to figure out how to do this sort of thing full-time. Mm -hmm. But I can't go, like, teach in the college. I did that as an adjunct. I know that doesn't pay, you know? <laughs> And so I had to figure out, like, how do I do this? And someone told me that DevRel was uh, a role. Uh, like and I said, thing, oh, right? my God, this like, this is like, what I want to do. And so I went into DevRel. That's right. <laughs> sign me up. And I've never looked back. Awesome. So there's a lot of stuff that you can do in DevRel. Um, but what are some of the pitfalls that you identified mm. uh, working in DevRel? Yeah, that's a good question. So... And working in DevRel, especially if you're working for a company, like you're kind of sp specializing in something that they do, right? Yeah. And their tool. And you're kind of repeating that over and over again mm -hmm. across the globe <laughs> into like new engineers each time. So one pitfall that I see is not touching the production code and advancing right. your skills as you would if you were doing traditional engineering, okay. right? So DevRel, there are some roles that, you know, they're very technical DevRel roles. So you're still like coding and yeah. building toy apps, yeah. but not necessarily production ones, you know what I mean? And so I'm really careful as an uh, advocate myself to make sure that I stay on the cutting edge of technology yeah. and that I keep my, my uh, engineering skills sharp. Yeah, so that's something I also see in others, also a little bit myself, that I don't code as much as I would really like to. Mm -hmm. not, e not even talking about production stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get a little bit away from the DevRel stuff. Okay. Something that's very interesting about you is you were an inventor and you're the, the author of 27 patents. Yes. So first, congrats on that. That's Thank you. very impressive. Uh, what made you want to... Uh, 
Like, no, let's first go, uh, what are your patents about oh. to start with? <laughs> like, I know there's some about software engineering yeah. uh, processes yeah. and stuff. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. Um, so I used to work at IBM. And IBM is like the leader of patents in the <laughs> world, right? And so it was really, innovation was really big in the company's culture back then. Mm -hmm. And as we would work on our products, um, we were encouraged to think about like, are you doing something new? Mm -hmm. And if so, you know, let's, let's patent it and things okay. like that. And then you could also even things you're not necessarily working on, but you could explore other techs. So I've always been an explorer. And as I uh, as new texts come out, I would like look at them and see can they be used to solve like different problems or can yeah. they be combined with other uh, technology to do something totally different. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my my patents are you know in collaboration software, uh, metaverse, oh, yeah. uh, you know things like this, uh, things that I actually see come later on today. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's really cool. So. Yeah, the, the the funny thing about patents, people think like, you know, I built all these things. You don't even necessarily have to build the thing. You have to describe it's it from an architecture. How, how one would build it. How right? would you build it? So I have to like say, okay, this is novel. No one has ever thought of this before. Yeah. And here's how you would go about building something like this. And that's enough. So if I looked at a patent from you and I was like, this is interesting. I want to build it. What does it imply? Do I have to pay to use your patent or how does it work? Right. So <laughs> the funny thing is when you work for a company, like they own all of your thoughts, yeah, right? Yeah. And so technically uh, IBM owns my patents. I'm listed as the, the inventor. Yeah. Okay, so okay. I do get I my credit in the world, okay. you know, I'm listed and they also pay, uh, pay you, you know, yeah. for, for, for the patents and things like that. But a lot of companies are starting to uh, donate their patents yeah. or like make them freely available, you know, uh, so that other people can't just kind of monopolize a concept. But, yeah. you know, so we'll, we're starting to see that. And then there's also business to business exchanges. So a big company like IBM, they might do something with like Microsoft where they yeah. say, hey, let's trade a couple of patents yeah, so yeah. that we could do things. So it's, it's a business move. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say is the benefit of having a patent? Like what does it do for the company or for you that maybe protects the idea? Or yeah, so it, it gives you first rights to things, yeah. you know, like if you want to, uh, you know, be the first one to implement something, you have yeah. that, that right to do so. It also generates additional income for the company as mm -hmm. they license out the patent. Yeah. So, you know, another business might not want to trade, but they'll pay you in order to have the license yeah. to, to implement the product that's going to be very beneficial for them. So it's, it's, it's lucrative. Okay, cool. And what's the process of writing out a patent? So, a uh, <laughs> pattern, <laughs> patent. So you have to be very specific probably. Very specific. Is it, uh, is it a pain creating a patent? Actually, so, uh, if I were to do it myself, yes. Okay. The beauty of doing it with a company is that they have what they call intellectual property lawyers and attorneys. Ah, so, so I can write it in my own word as if I were writing a blog post. Oh, and they I give it to it them. You, They're you fairly technical. That's <laughs> it. They translate it to all the legal legal jargon and things like that. Okay. Then one last thing. What would you say is an is a advice for beginners that also want to explore 
uh, inventing mm. patents and getting a little bit into that how to get started even with yeah sure it's a, a I call it an inventor's mindset mm -hmm. and you turn this little switch on in your head mm -hmm. so all of us as we run into problems we get a little bit aggravated mm -hmm. what you can do is turn on uh, a sensor that says whenever I'm annoyed think mm -hmm. so I'll give you an example of like one of my patents I was in a grocery store. We all have had this problem where you choose the wrong cue, right? Yeah, this one, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. that looks like the best one. I go get in that line and never fails. That was the wrong line. <laughs> so you're frustrated. And as I'm sitting in this queue, I'm frustrated. How could I have solved this and made this better? And so then I started coming up with like, okay, what are a lot of things that we could put together so that you can give an estimated time on each of these cues, right? In yeah. this physical format. And it's much different than, um, you know, other cue weights that you might think of because there's so many factors. There's yeah. like the cashier scan rate. There's how many items does each person yeah. have? Is the person going to pull out a bunch of coupons, right? Yeah. Are they going to send the lady back to go get cigarettes or like uh, yeah. liquor? Or so, you know, there's so many things. And you can start looking at people's like habits from their loyalty cards and yeah. things. So what if you aggregated all this information together to produce a new result? Yeah, I, I read once about it a few years back that th there's someone that made a formula for it, a mathematical formula, mm. including a bunch of, of those uh, that might have been me Mark. No, okay. <laughs> yeah but it's very interesting and they came up with the easiest way is to look at the at the amount of items the first mm -hmm. the people have so that's like the biggest factor the biggest multiplying mm -hmm, factor there mm -hmm. uh, so yeah so thanks Angie for yeah. all, taking your time first and for all your insights it's been great having you and uh, everyone that watched this or listened to this Thanks a lot and see you in the next episode. Bye bye.